Our Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, would you help me to preach it faithfully? And may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts, that we may recognize the majesty of King Jesus and joyfully offer him our whole lives in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it always intrigues me at Christmas time how Christmas carols are played all over Malaysia. Uh, even though we live in a Muslim country uh, where the Christian uh, voice is largely suppressed, a, at Christmas time things are very different. Uh, whether it's at the shopping centres or restaurants uh, or on television shows, uh, the message of Christianity is proclaimed loud and clear uh, through the Christmas carols that are played in the background. Now just consider the words of this uh, carol, O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. It's a wonderful carol with awe-inspiring claims about Jesus that demand a radical response from us. Uh, Christ the King has been born. We must adore him with joy as the Lord of our life. But of course the sad news is that even though this uh, glorious and uh, life-transforming message is proclaimed to the masses through these carols, uh, the message is largely ignored. And there is a danger that you and I can fall in the same trap this morning. Uh, to go through all the celebrations of Christmas with the presents and the Christmas trees and the decorations, singing all the Christmas carols, but we walk away from Christmas unchanged. There's no awe or gratitude, no repentance, no worship of Jesus. But that carol, Come All Ye Faithful, powerfully explains that Christmas does demand a response from us, a response of nothing less than total, wholehearted worship. Well, today is Epiphany. It's the season we remember uh, that Christ was manifest to the nations. And uh, Matthew's aim, as he uh, pens the story of the wise men coming to Jesus, is that we would re recognize Jesus as the supreme king and that we would respond to him in worship. First point this morning, the nations seek their true king. The nations seek their true king. Verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For he saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now first let's uh, just correct a few uh, things about the wise men that we traditionally believe. Uh, first, uh, if you look at the footnote in verse 1, uh, we see that they're not actually called wise men, but they are magi. Right? They are Middle Eastern astrologers or magicians, uh, possibly from Babylon or Persia, uh, such as we read of in the book of Daniel. Uh, secondly, if you look at verse 8, uh, they don't come to meet a baby, they come to meet a child. Evidently, he's grown up. Verse 11, they don't find him in the manger, they find him in a house. And again in verse 11, we're told that there are three gifts, but nowhere does it say that there was only three wise men. Uh, and so these, uh, this group of Magi, they come sometime after Jesus' birth uh, from a foreign land. And what we see here is the nations coming to worship Israel's king. 
But ironically, they're not coming to see King Herod, who was literally the king of the Jews at that time. They're searching for another king, Israel's true king, the long-awaited Messiah. For after the fall of humanity into sin right at the beginning, God had promised in Genesis 12 that he was going to reverse the curse of the fall and restore blessing to all the nations. And as the Old Testament progresses, that hope of blessing for the whole world, it becomes focused on a king of Israel, the Messiah, right, who would establish the kingdom of God, who would bring all the nations back under his rule and bring blessing to the world. And so here, with the visit of the Magi, we see that promise coming to fulfillment. And that's what the star is about. And it's not that just that these are stargazers, are being supernaturally led to Jesus. But this rising star is a fulfillment of a key Old Testament uh, promise concerning God's king. Look at Numbers 24 on the screen. It says, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. So God had promised that a king would arise out of Israel, he would destroy all the enemies of God's people, and that star identified that God's promised king had arrived. Now, there are many other places in the Old Testament that uh, prophesy of the coming of God's king. Uh, and in verses 3 to 6, we see how Jesus fulfills a prophecy from the prophet Micah about where this king would be born. Uh, because the prophet Micah had prophesied that God's king would be born in Bethlehem. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, says Micah 5, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now Judah was the royal tribe from which all the kings of Israel descended. Bethlehem, of course, was the birthplace of King David. And so Jesus is born from the tribe of David in the city of David, Bethlehem, just as Micah had promised. Now we might ask, well, why does that particularly matter? Well, it's because the Old Testament uh, spoke of this king this descendant of David, that he would rule over all of the nations forever. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 spoke of an eternal ruler who would sit on the throne of God's kingdom forever and ever. And Psalm 2 spoke of a king who would rule over all the nations with an iron scepter. And Isaiah 9 speaks of a divine king who would be born as a child, who would rule over a kingdom of righteousness and peace forever and ever. And we're meant to understand that with the birth of Jesus, all of those prophecies from the Old Testament have come to their fulfillment. Here is Jesus, the one who comes to rule over all the nations for all time in a kingdom of righteousness and of peace. He is the one who will restore God's blessing to the nations but there's one more prophecy in particular uh, that is fulfilled by the coming of the wise men. And it's actually the Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 60. We read this. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. 
For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. It's a prophecy that one day that God would come into this world. He would shine light on it. He would banish the darkness of death. He would bring salvation to God's people. He'd restore blessing to the world. He would rule over every culture, every race, every person. And that would be the day uh, when the nations would come to him. And so as the Magi come from the nations to worship King Jesus, that prophecy is fulfilled as well. The child they come to worship is Emmanuel, God come to save. And so that is the first point this morning. The, the nations come to seek their true king. At Epiphany, remember that the king of the Jews is also the king of the nations. He is our king who demands that we come to him and adore him and worship him. Well, how will we respond to him today? We're shown two responses in this passage, and before we get to the right response, Matthew wants us to see the wrong response. We're at point two now. The wrong response. Wicked rejection. Now, Herod's response, we see it in verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Well, Herod is troubled. Why is that? Of course, it's because Herod is the king, and any new king is a threat to his own personal rule. Now, we're also told that the people are troubled too. Why would they be troubled? Are they worried about Herod's response to all this? Or do they just not want another king either? Well, Herod's response is exactly what we would expect of an evil king. Uh, verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly, ascertained from them what time the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, of course, he speaks nothing but deceitful lies. He gathers them in secret because he has a secret plot. He intends not to worship this new king, but to kill him. And I think there, friends, we have an insight into the human heart. Here we have God stepping into this world in the person of his son to save us, come to shine light, to establish a perfect kingdom of righteousness and peace. And what is the response? Human beings do not want him to be king. They go to extraordinary lengths to reject him, even killing babies. Of course, that is exactly what Herod does. Uh, verse 12, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, the wise men departed to their own country by another way. And Herod, when he realizes that he has been tricked by the wise men, turns on the children. And in an act of cruel infanticide, he decides to slaughter all the babies in Bethlehem. We read in verse 16, Herod, when he saw that he'd been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time he'd ascertained from the wise men. So here we're shown the, the natural human response to Jesus. 
which is to reject him. Uh, there are many ways to do that, whether it is the religious person who will reject him for another religion, or the free thinker who will simply live their lives for their own passions in ignorance of him. But it is no accident that Jesus is called the King of the Jews here and then only again at his trial. Remember as uh, Jesus goes on trial, Hail, King of the Jews, shout the soldiers as they beat him. And this is Jesus, the King of the Jews, reads the sign above his head as they crucify him. Jesus, the King of the Jews, is rejected Instead of worshipping him, humanity puts him to death. Now, of course, this was all God's plan. He came to die in our place. He came to take the punishment that we deserve. He came to rescue us from God's wrath and, and bring his blessing to the world. But that is the natural human response, to reject Jesus' kingship. So how will you respond to Jesus this morning? Now, as you recognize the identity of Jesus, God's supreme king, come to rule over the nations forever, then please do not reject his rule. Please do not think that if you live for your own way, it will be better. We must not allow our heart to be darkened like Herod. Now, Jesus' rule is good. He is the king who goes to the cross. He is the king who comes to rescue his kingdom is full of righteousness and peace. We do not want to reject him. Well, instead, we are shown the right response through the wise men. We're at point three now, the right response, wholehearted worship. And Matthew presents these magi to us as a model for us to follow. Uh, think about it. no distance too great, no treasure too lavish. They come from afar seeking Jesus that in joy they may worship before him. Uh, look at verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I mean, what an amazing sight that must have been for Mary and Joseph as these, uh, you know, these grand wise men, they must have been quite wealthy and important. They come and they bow down, prostrate to the ground before this little child. It was a sign of their complete and total submission to him as the king of their lives. Uh, they offer him these uh, treasures of immeasurable value, gold, frankincense, myrrh. They are the kind of treasures fit uh, for the king. I think of it like this. It's like the, you know, the man who has met the girl of his dreams. And so in joy, he goes out and, uh, and buys a diamond ring that costs him a fortune, and gives it to her as a sign of his commitment and love. Here they recognize Jesus' supreme value and they bow down before him. Now, all this, too, is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Now, this is not the first time that people have come from the east bringing their treasures to a king of the Jews. 
Uh, it's exactly what the Queen of Sheba did when she came to Solomon a thousand years earlier. Look at 1 Kings chapter 10. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. In verse 10, she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. And, and the rest of the Old Testament celebrates this great climax and, and high point in the Old Testament as the nations come and worship Israel's king. Uh, in the Psalm reading, Psalm 72, we read this. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. And in the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 60, a multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news. The praises of the Lord. And so as these wise men come from the east with their gold and frankincense and myrrh, they offer their treasures to King Jesus. And they, sh they, they show that, that Jesus is even a greater king than Solomon in all his splendor. Here before them is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who deserves total worship, just as Solomon did a thousand years before. And that is the right response for us this Christmas. We are to bow before Jesus as our King. We are to offer him our lives. We are to joyfully recognize and submit to his rule over us. That is something we do not just on Sundays, but in every part of our life. And not just in one area of our life, but in every area of our life. In our work, in our family, with our time, with our money, with our ambitions, with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. We are to bow before him and offer our lives in worship. So have you come to Jesus? in total, wholehearted worship as the king of your life? Have you said to Jesus, here is my life, use it for your glory? That is the right response to Christmas. And part of that life of worship, giving our lives for the glory of Jesus, is to give our life to his mission to the nations, calling others to come and worship him, as we have worshipped him ourselves. Uh, it's very interesting how Matthew begins and ends his gospel with the nations coming to Jesus. And he begins here in chapter 2 with the wise men coming from afar to worship King Jesus. And he will end in chapter 28 with a risen Jesus declaring these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations. So Jesus is the king, not only of Israel. He is the king of the nations. He has come to bring us peace and joy. And we are to seek him. We are to bow down before him in worship. We are to offer him our whole lives. And we are to live for his glory as we make him known to the world.
And that is the message of Christmas that is so beautifully captured in our Christmas carols. And we must not let that message just wash over us another year. We must not walk away from Christmas unchanged. Listen again to the words of that carol. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for reminding us that Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, worthy of our total, wholehearted worship. Help us, Lord, not to walk away from this Christmas period unchanged. Help us to use our lives this year for his glory as we love him and obey him and serve him and proclaim him to the nations. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.